mommy. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hit it. This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, MFers, how the heck are you? Happy Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. It is already June 14th, unreal. Uh, Hope you are well. We have a lot to get to on the show today. Going to talk a lot of Utah Jazz basketball, a lot of Rudy Gobert trade rumors today that we'll uh, break down and discuss. Uh, We got to get to Phil Mickelson and the Live Golf versus U.S. Open thing. Deshaun Watson has 26, 26. Another one. Lawsuits as two more were added yesterday. The NFL has still not taken action. And Greg Hawkins, frankly, ruined the show today. Already. Here, let me let me turn the music down. Let me. Let me I mean, do you have you, you need like a funeral music for the Greg Hawkins topic today? Okay. Like yeah. it's uh, mm-hmm. shocking and yeah, uh, really, yeah, terrible, terrible. Uh, it is shocking from a ranch dressing perspective. Yeah, which by the way is not in our affiliate links that you can shop below on this here podcast if you are listening, uh, as well as on our YouTube channel in the description. All of our affiliate links for our favorite products are listed below, so make sure you check those out. But without further ado, why don't we uh, talk about the Utah Jazz and the trade rumors surrounding Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz and the Atlanta Hawks. Rudy Gobert has certainly shown that he has value around the league this offseason. Since the season ended and since... You know, the the offseason has really ramped up for three quarters of this league as we've gone through the playoffs. The Utah Jazz have been the busiest team on the phones by far. And the Utah Jazz, as you know, have a lot of business to get done this offseason. And one of those pieces of business that the Utah Jazz are so actively pursuing is a trade for Rudy Gobert. Um, And several teams have emerged as leaders in the pursuit of Rudy Gobert. And two specifically would be the Chicago Bulls and the Atlanta Hawks. But not all trade packages are created equal. And again, I think when you talk about the Utah Jazz and you talk about trading uh, Rudy Gobert and will the Utah Jazz trade Rudy Gobert, I think one of the things that is very clear is that they needed to, the Utah Jazz needed to establish value in what Rudy Gobert's value was. And I don't think there's any doubt that they have done just that. Because they need a haul for Rudy Gobert. When the Utah Jazz do, in fact, trade Rudy Gobert, they cannot afford to give him away for, you know, essentially a box of Gatorade powder. A and, rack of basketballs. And some basketballs. Yeah. The Utah Jazz have to get value in return for Rudy Gobert. And that's why I think the two teams that have emerged, the Atlanta Hawks one and the Chicago Bulls two, um, both bring tremendous value to the table. But, Jake, I guess the question is, And it seems like this is where we always start when we talk about trading guys like Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz trading a guy like a Boyan Bogdanovich. What is value? How much are you expecting to get in return for Rudy Gobert? Well, here's the thing with, with, you know, Rudy Gobert's value. Like when you're the Jazz and you know you're in this situation, like, like everybody in the league knows, like the Atlanta Hawks know, the Chicago Bulls know, 
the Toronto Raptors know that the Utah Jazz have to move Rudy Gobert to get going in their process. We've talked about this a lot, that that Rudy Gobert is kind of the linchpin to to getting to the next generation, to getting into the to, to the building process of this new core of what's going to be this this Jazz team. And so when we start to talk about, well, how do you establish Rudy Gobert's value? How do you sort of define and kind of bring that to the table and justify asking for, you know, an all-star level player and a first-round pick and maybe, you know, a third-round pick or something, you know, putting that trade package together, you know, for the Utah Jazz, I think it's a struggle, honestly. Like, I think it's a struggle on some level. Like, yes, you can definitively say that Rudy Gobert is an all-star. Yes, you can definitively say, no doubt about it, that Rudy Gobert is a three-time defensive player of the year and likely has a, a, a plus five win, will add five wins to your team just on his own, on depending on the setup. So when we talk about value, if we're looking at the Bulls, Rudy Gobert is tremendous value to the Bulls because if, if the Bulls and the Utah Jazz can come together on a deal where Rudy is the centerpiece of their defense and not much changes in the Bulls' starting five, well, that's obviously going to be really attractive to the Bulls. The problem is, is what are the Bulls willing to give up to get Rudy Gobert? Because the Jazz want that all-star level player. They want that. And frankly, I think it's a fair ask. Rudy is an all-star. Rudy is a three-time defensive player of the year. You got to get compensated for that. When I look down south in Atlanta, the biggest problem with the Atlanta trade package is the Atlanta Hawks don't want to give up John Collins because they think that John Collins can be part of another deal, a second deal, in addition to the Rudy Gobert deal. So... That's the the real issue for the Utah Jazz is you're asking, you're trying to trade a guy in Rudy Gobert who only fits with a select group of teams. So those teams have leverage over you. Right. The other problem is, is you don't have a bunch of draft capital or like, you know, obviously any team can add money to a deal. But for the Jazz, they're not trying to add a ton of money to a deal. They're trying to go the other way. They're trying to get out of, luxury tax land they're trying to get below the cap and that's part of why trading Rudy Gobert is such a big deal so then you can go and do these other things and we've also heard from Danny Ainge repeatedly whether it was at the press conference for Quinn whether it was in this interview that we played for you guys yesterday we know that Danny Ainge is not prioritizing or maybe it's not right to say he's not prioritizing the draft but the draft is definitely not number one on Danny Ainge's list as far as this summer goes for the Utah Jazz. So my point just is, in trading Rui and establishing his value, it is super situational, and really for the Utah Jazz, is very much based on what the other team thinks of Rudy and how Rudy will fit in. So again, I will still maintain that I think the best trade package right now that's on the table is the conversation with the Chicago Bulls in, in that deal. But I, I really like the prospect of, you know, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins. I just don't think Atlanta's going to give up John Collins, and that's the issue. Well, and I think one of the other things that you have to remember here is that money is an issue. Um, and that I, I think you are going to have to figure out um, in, a, in a situation with Clint Capella, you're going to have to figure out how to make the money work. Uh, because it is not just a Clint Capella. And I, I again, I, I agree with you 100%. DeAndre Hunter has to be the starting point for a trade. Mm-hmm. Like that is, he must be involved in, in any deal that you do with Atlanta because he is exactly what you need on your perimeter. He is a significant upgrade in defense and athleticism, and he is a nice young player, right? So he has to be, in my opinion, the starting spot. 
Um, but if, if it's Clint Capella, his money is a lot more difficult to make that work because of how much money Rudy Gobert is making. But just on a value proposition, player for player, I don't think Clint Capella brings you very much value in return. I truly do not. I think Clint Capella is that big lumbering center um, that is going to rebound and block a shot or two a game. But he's not a guy that you can throw the ball to in the post and say, hey, get me a basket. And I think that's exactly where you are right now. I think if you move Clint Capella to the to the Utah Jazz in that deal, you now have to bring in a third team to create more value for the Jazz. I think the only deal to be done with the Atlanta Hawks is John Collins and DeAndre Hunter. And then how you figure that deal out. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can. That's the framework for a deal, in my opinion. Yeah, Clint Capella. If I'm Danny Ainge, Clint Capella is a non-starter for me. There's not a lot of value there. I have, I have what Clint Capella does already um, on my roster. If I'm trading for Clint Capella, I'm not, I'm not upgrading myself, and that's a huge problem for me. John Collins does a lot of things that you currently cannot do. He can guard a corner three. He can shoot a corner three. Yeah. He can rebound. He can shot block. He can do all of the things that you you need defensively, but he can also contribute in a number of different ways offensively. That, to me, is critically important, that you don't fall off a cliff defensively, which is why, again, I don't love the Vucevic deal. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. I am, I am a... a Passionate Chicago Bulls fan. Nikola Vucevic is a fine offensive player who is an absolute negative on defense. Yeah, There's nothing to talk about there. And I understand that he rebounds well. He gives you 10 rebounds a game. He's going to give you a block a game. But he's a guy that defensively cannot stop guys. He doesn't bang. He is not physical. He is not tough. He is a net negative defensively. That's a huge problem. And again, remember the edict of this team. The Utah Jazz are not a team that's looking to completely fall off the cliff here and be bad for a year. Mm-hmm. This is a team that stated goal is, hey, we're going to remake this roster and we're going to remain in the playoffs. Relevant. Yes, that's their goal. And I think when you look at what the Jazz need to do that, you need to trade Rudy Gobert, but you need to get value in return, mm-hmm. which is, again, why I will turn my attention to the Toronto Raptors, who I think are absolutely the best fit for Rudy Gobert's on uh, uh, for Rudy Gobert on a lot of levels. And the main level is one, it gets him to the East. Two, they have young wing talent that is of tremendous value to you. They have, in my opinion, OG Ananobi is a really good fit for what the Jazz lack. I think he checks a lot of boxes. He's an upgrade in a lot of areas for the Utah Jazz. So to me, that's the most attractive deal. If you're not going to get John Collins and you're not going to get DeAndre Hunter, there's nothing to talk about in Atlanta. Nothing. And you know what? One of the the teams that also has been talked about um, heavily with the Utah Jazz, um, as far as Rudy Gobert goes, I just don't think the Cleveland Cavaliers are an option. Either, because if you're the Utah Jazz, are you really taking a guy like Kevin Love? Are you really taking a problem off of that Cleveland roster? Because I think that's what you would have to do. So I was asked a lot yesterday about the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I just don't see what sense that makes for them or for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I'd have to have Evan Mobley. Yeah, you would have to, and they're not going to do that. Yeah. They're not. Why would why would Cleveland do that? Yeah, I mean, I I think, and and this is kind of where I think it's really fascinating when we talk about like, it's always intriguing and fascinating to me to really think about 
okay, in reality, how do these trades play out? If you really, you know, put yourself in Danny Ainge's shoes. Danny Ainge is sitting at his desk, looking at a trade board, looking at game tape, evaluating players, and, and using the phone. That's how this works. So, Are you if sure? You're, if you're Danny Ainge, if you're Danny Ainge and you're making these calls, you're, you, you're, you better be a good salesman. Because yeah. in order for you, again, I can't stress this enough. The Jazz are not in a position to be dictating to these teams. And that, that's not a great place to be when you're trying to trade a $41 million a year contract, right? And you're, and you're trying to trade a big man. Cause that, so that's my point. You don't have leverage as far as assets are concerned. You do not have leverage as far as your player is concerned. Yes, he's a three-time defensive player of the year. Yes, he's an all-star. But we can all agree he's not a dynamic wing scorer, right? He's not some. He's not a must-have guy in the league to win a championship. So it, you don't have that on your side either. So to me, if I'm Danny Ainge and I'm making these calls, I'm just rolling out in the conversation and I'm kind of being cold-blooded about it. I'm going to say, hey, we've got Rudy Gobert. We'd like to do this deal with you. Where do you come down on this? This is what we're asking you for, yay or nay. And if it's nay... Then you got to figure out how much, what it's going to take to to get what you want, and then you just simply decide. And that's that's what I think is tough about this. But I do think there's a deal to be had in Toronto. I definitely think there's a deal to be had in Chicago. And I think the John Collins, you know, uh, DeAndre Hunter situation. I just don't think Atlanta is going to do that. I, I don't think that Atlanta is going to do that. But if I were them. I do think there's real logic in it because you're going to see Joel Embiid a bunch, right? Because he's in Philly and he's in your conference. You're going to see him all year. Well, I also think that bringing Rudy Gobert and moving John Collins off that roster makes them a better team. I yeah. mean, it, it. the issue is, you know, what do you – it's very difficult if you're just going to trade Rudy Gobert for, you know, for John Collins and DeAndre Hunter, financially that deal works. But – my guess is Atlanta Atlanta's gonna need more than that. Or you're that's why I say I, I, I am almost convinced that any Rudy Gobert trade is gonna have to be for three three teams. Mm -hmm. A three team minimum. Because you just can't straight up with Rudy Gobert, you can't get enough value for the team that is receiving Rudy. Yes, he's a three time defensive player of the year, but what real value is there in that? What real value does that bring? Okay, he's a great shot blocker. He is a great paint presence. But, you know, I was talking to one NBA guy yesterday who said, is that truly value in the league today? Is there a ton of value in being simply a, a rim defender? Probably not. Probably not, especially with the way the Eastern Conference is stacked right now. If you look at the way that 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 Philadelphia, that Brooklyn, if you look at a way uh, the way that the Boston Celtics attack you, they don't do it at the rim. You look at guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Those guys play at three levels. You look at at, at Philadelphia with James Harden and, and Joel Embiid, one of the reasons that Joel Embiid creates such a problem for Rudy Gobert is because Joel Embiid plays at three levels. He's got an elbow jumper, a three-point shot, and he certainly can dunk on you. Yeah. And Rudy Gobert is not a defensive issue for Joel Embiid on the other end of the floor because Rudy Gobert is simply a screen setter. He's a, a screen and roll guy. Yeah. And so, to me, there's not a lot of value in just Rudy Gobert's defense alone. Yeah. Rudy's going to have to come with other assets. 
he's going to have to come with, with likely draft capital. So if Atlanta acquires Rudy Gobert, remember that Atlanta is very close to the tax threshold. Don't forget that because they got guys that are making money. One of the reasons they need to trade John Collins and Clint Capella is both those guys are, I think Clint's an $18 million guy and John Collins is a $20 million guy. So you've that that's they're very similar to the Utah yeah. Jazz here. Is that they're a little bit landlocked with their bigs and Oh my goodness, what is Atlanta trying to do? They're trying to move their bigs because I think people understand that this league has evolved away from the the true dominant center. Yeah. Which again is why I don't understand why they ever acquired Clint Capella in the first place. But that's just me. I mean, yeah. Uh, my guess is Rudy Gobert still ends up in Toronto. I think Toronto makes the most sense. You know, like if you just yeah. put A plus B equals, you know, F yeah. In the in these situations, you look at what Toronto can offer and you you look at their young players. And again, I think Gary Trent Jr. and Ananobi are two guys that you would love to have on the Utah Jazz roster. And again, if I was Danny Ainge, I would be saying we got to have those two guys. You know, like those are two guys that we really value and re we really want. And I'm sure that that Toronto is going to want to include Siakam in any deal they do this offseason. Oh, certainly. So I think that that deal would be – I don't think that they would have issue with moving uh, Ananobi uh, or Trent. I don't think that they would. I mean, those Gary Trent was hurt a lot last year um, and didn't really contribute for them at a really high level. So Ananobi, on the other hand – is valuable to them, but again, you're uh, you're trading an all-star, uh, you know, a, a three-time defensive player of the year guy. Like he's got accolades, he's got things that you can hang your hat on. And so, to me, again, if I'm the Jazz, what I'm looking for, and I, and I think this is really the crux of the conversation, whether it's you know a Rudy trade or or a Bogdanovich trade, the crux of the conversation is the Jazz need perimeter defense, and and so any of these deals, that's what I'd be prioritizing: yeah. perimeter defense. And hopefully those guys you get can shoot the three a little bit. You know, it's hard It's hard to find guys who can shoot it at the rate that the best guys in the league can. I mean, even at the rate that Bogey can, even though he struggled late in the year. But but the point is, is that any successful team, and you're seeing it in the NBA Finals, which we're going to get to here in a minute, but, like, you're seeing it. The, the These two teams play really high levels of defense, and they can ratchet up the defense when they need to or when they want to. And the Jazz don't have that ability, and that's why I think they need to prioritize perimeter defense in any Rudy deal they do. Well, look, I, I think if you can get a guy like OG Ananobi that can shoot the three uh, fairly well, and if you can get a guy like Gary Trent Jr. that is a defensive stud, I think you would do that. And I think that you're in a position where – you know, you want also guys that you can flip in other deals or you can move, you know, like that give you some flexibility. Mm -hmm. Trading a, a guy like Gary Trent Jr. is not difficult. Trading a guy like OG Ananobi is not difficult. They are they are desired assets around the league, which is, again, why – and I still maintain like a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a guy that you top off a trade with. He is not special. He is not unique. He has not shown you to be a guy that's got some tremendous upside that you can't live without. I think you you have to look at the Trent Force of the world. You have to look at the 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 you know NAWs of the world. You have to look at guys that you can put into deals to 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 make those trades more attractive. Yeah. And I think when you look at Trent Forrest, I think you know who Trent Forrest is. Now, having said that, I would love to see the Jazz keep Trent Forrest for more year and try and develop that three point shot. Because his three-point technique is ugly yeah. right now. He has got to become a better shooter who is more confident. Because if Trent if Trent can shoot it, 
You can you can tune him up defensively, but you cannot make Trent Forrest believe that he can shoot jumpers. Yeah. You can't. And his his jump shot technique, his mechanics, his form are, are terrible. Like you want somebody to get to the basket and dunk, give the ball to Trent Forrest. Yep. You want somebody to make an important three pointer out of the corner, I'll take Royce O'Neal instead of Trent Forrest. Like Trent is not a good, willing, or able three point shooter. Yeah. So let's get your thoughts in here. Uh, appreciate all of you being on the show this morning. As always, don't forget, uh, as we rapidly approach 5,000 subs, Yeah. Uh, as we do that, uh, once we get to 5,000, we are going to give away this uh, PlayStation 5, uh, and we are at 4610 right now. So we are a mere 390 subscribers away from giving away this PlayStation 5, and it's going to be miraculous. Yep. Lots of big things popping on the show coming up here over the next six weeks. So make sure you don't go anywhere. It's going to be a big summer here uh, on the Monty Show. Hit subscribe. If you're here right now, please give us a thumbs up and a like. Uh, we really appreciate that. It helps the channel grow. Um, let's get your thoughts in here. We'll start with Leonard, Donnan, and DeLove. First in, he says, we back. There you go. Um, he says, Deshaun ain't going anywhere. His lawyers will get him out in no time. Good luck. Facts. We'll talk about Deshaun Watson coming up. Dante May says, if Jordan Clarkson likes the jersey, then I'm all in on him. The leaks aren't real. I'm convinced. Well, and let's talk about the Utah Jazz yeah. jerseys because we're going to find out on Friday. By the way, by the way. <laughs> You know what is Thursday, right? Game six. In Boston. Could be a, a, a NBA championship for the Golden State Warriors. I'm pretty convinced it will be. The Utah Jazz are going to make a significant announcement on Friday. Uh huh. Usually you're not allowed to do that during the NBA Finals. Infowars.com My guess is they don't have to worry about that. Because the NBA's told them, hey, man, NBA Finals are over on Thursday. Hey, man. Release them uniforms on Friday. Yep, yep. That's my guess. That yeah. is, if, if I were a betting man, that's what I would think would happen. Um, I have tried, and I have I have used tow trucks and forklifts and blow torches and all kinds of material right. to try and drag information out of my jazz sources on these uniforms. Uh-huh. All, the, all my jazz sources will tell me are, Wait, you're going to love them. It is if I say it is. You're going to love them. Yeah, we'll see. It is. And we'll from see. what I understand, the leaked images are part of their uniform package. But they have they have some heat. They have some some retro vibing throwback. They better. Heat. They better. I mean, yeah, dude, I, you can't. You can't roll out with just new modern uniforms that have absolutely no connection to the Utah Jazz without a heritage uniform and you want to know how seriously they're taking the utah jazz are taking this this uniform rollout the folks i talked to over at the jazz have said i can't i cannot tell you this monty because we have been told if this leaks people will lose their jobs and people i'm telling you right now the jazz are doing everything they can do to keep this uniform under wraps yeah man and i as i said yesterday it has been explained to me that they put out a little test balloon and they adjusted off of the reaction of those those leaked images. And this is what we said when those images first came out. Yeah. You don't accidentally leak out images yeah. of a uniform. Yeah. So 
schemers trying to you know, control their no, little world. It's not the ones you saw at TJ Maxx. It's like those ones that were on the rack or at the store. Those are not. No, those on, are not bro. the ones. Come on. It's the white one with just the gold. It's the the black uniform with the gold. Like terrible. Come on, man. Terrible. Come on, man. Those are going to be their alternates, from yeah. what I understand. That's going to not be their full time jersey, but their their jersey this that they're going to release on Friday. We'll see. We'll see. We'll but see. You, but you're saying that because they're doing this on Friday, you feel pretty good the NBA Finals are over on Thursday. I'd bet the house on the on the Golden State Warriors in, in Game 6, which, yeah! by the way, yeah. I predicted Finals in 6. I know everything, and I tell you how much I know and how smart I am. And right, right. I wear a size 15 shoe. Right. Just ask your mom. Right. I might be Just a casual. Just ask your mom. Just ask your mom. Wow. I, why don't you turn your drops up a little wow. bit, man? I, they are turned up. Come on, I let's go. I can't turn it up anymore. What do you want me to do? I am, not a, ca- out, I am not a casual. Yes, you are. Damn it. No, I'm not. Anyway. Um, um, anyway, I'm excited about the jersey release on Friday. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. it is a significant moment. They I better think, be good. They be, they need to be good. They, it needs to be a win. It needs to be good. It needs to be something that everyone's excited about. We need to be able to buy them on the team shop store or whatever like the next day so then we can you know do a whole jersey review like we gotta it's gotta be good man it's gotta be very good so we'll see uh tanner Plummer says guys 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 good morning hey guys i'm here hey guys hi hey guys uh jesus christ destroys atheism definitely rudy for atlanta deandre hunter capella and collins that's not pot you can't do all three god bless money doesn't work man money does not work atlanta and by the way again yeah. I, it, it, why would you want Clint Capella on this roster? You wouldn't. I, I just don't see any value in it. I really don't. Um, Capella and Collins possibly with two first picks included too. They're not doing that, bro. I, and I really you, just you, don't and think they're doing that. Happen, ha- happen, maybe throw in Royce too. It doesn't work that way, man. It, you, you're not throwing in an 18. or Isn't Royce? You're not throwing in a starter in the league. It just is. It's not. I don't know what is Royce making. Hold on. Now we got to look it up. Good God, uh, Royce O'Neal's making eight point eight million dollars a year. You're not just throwing in for two teams that are tight on the cap. Eight point eight million dollars isn't just a throw-in. You guys have to understand as well, and this is why I don't respond to any trade rumors. Or you're not just throwing in two first-round what. So let me get this right. You're going to pay Rudy Gobert $41 million on average. And you're going to throw in two first round picks. And you're going to give up DeAndre Hunter. Why would you do that? What sense does that make for a very limited offensive player? Yeah. I, I just, it, it that doesn't make a lot of sense. And, and that's why the Toronto deal makes a heck of a lot more sense. They need, they need that defensive presence in they have guys like Birch that they can send back in return in Toronto. Yeah. You know, like it, if you look at the way their roster is is structured, guys like, you know, you can see them hanging on to Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam. You can yeah. see that, right? Because they have depth and other assets that they can send in return. But if you look at, if you look at the guys on that roster that you would want, they're not giving up Scotty Barnes. They're not. He's one of the best young players in the NBA. Yeah. It, why would why would you do that? OG Ananobi, Gary Trent, um, you know, Birch is a guy like Kem Birch is a guy that you could absolutely see them them putting in a deal like that. But there's not a whole lot of 
there's not a whole lot of value in Atlanta versus Toronto. I think Toronto has far more to offer you as far as wins and talent that fit into the system that you want to be. So I don't know. I just be very careful just throwing out first round picks, right? Like yeah. that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, let's see. Zach Boren says, you guys see Montrez Harrell got a felony drug charge. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a bunch of weed in his car. <clears throat> um, and, you know, Trez is a guy that's always enjoyed his gardening skills. His gardening um, skills. You know, <laughs> uh, he is a big lettuce guy. <coughs> I I don't know that this really goes anywhere. I believe it was under five pounds, uh, which avoids a felony um, uh, in a plea deal. Um, yeah, I, I think here's the issue. The issue is, is that Montrez Harrell is not a must-have guy. Montrez Harrell is not someone who who has the ability in the league to say, hey, yeah, I'm a multi-time all-star and, and I can do this and I can do that. Like he is a he is a come-off-the-bench bulldog guy that is nice to have but not necessary. So when things like this happen, I'm just I just always say, how do you mess it up, man? How do you how do you allow yourself to get in these positions? Um he had three pounds of weed in a twenty twenty Honda pilot. He was pulled over in Kentucky at 10 a.m. on May 12th, so we're over a month ago, driving a 2020 Honda Pilot rental. He was pulled over on a traffic stop for following too close to the car in front of him. He admitted that he had a small amount of weed, um, which he then pulled from his sweatpants. Um, but cops searched the vehicle. They claimed to have found a backpack filled with three pounds of weed in vacuum sealed bags. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know. If he nobody pleads guilty to stuff like this. If he pled guilty, it's a class D felony. Um, he is a first time offender and would be facing five years in jail. He's not pleading guilty to this. He yeah. is likely to plead out. Um, the problem for him is he he would be an in demand, he is a free agent and he would be in demand. And so this probably puts a little bit of a damper on that. But here's the thing. Yes, he would be in demand, but not in demand enough where people are going to overlook this. I mean, th there's going to be questions. Yeah, this was not his smartest move when you're trying to get Pizade. Uh Jeremy Bolton says, sup. Ryan Buckley says, morning. Uh, Leonard Don and Endelov says, Chicago ain't the best trade suitor. Why Why give up Gobert for Nicola? Atlanta seems reasonable, but I understand your opinion. I, Chicago can offer you other things. Um, and they, I, I, again, if you, if you're looking for real value, it's Toronto. That's just, that's just my opinion. They, but the I know Atlanta, they like Rudy. That's a thing. Well, right? and Atlanta really, Atlanta has been one of the more aggressive pursuers of Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the Utah jazz have been the busiest team by far on the phones trying to make deals, um, this summer already. And, and I think that's going to continue. And I think that when you look at what Atlanta has to offer, I'm not interested in Clint Capella. He is, he is Rudy Gobert light. Rudy is a far better player than Clint. Um, and, and again, I understand. And, and as I'm told by NBA sources, the Atlanta Hawks have been hesitant to include John Collins in a Rudy Gobert deal because they feel like they have another deal for John Collins in place that will net them a, a significant return. Yeah. So they'd like to make a deal for John outside of Rudy Gobert, and they would like to move Clint Capella 
uh, to Utah in a deal for Rudy Gobert. But the problem is that the money is more difficult to work um, because of what Clint is making and that the Jazz don't see a lot of value in Clint Capella. That's the issue. Uh, I don't think that there is a a win-win trade with the Atlanta Hawks. You'd need to bring in a third team. I see a win-win trade with Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. I would make that deal. I would send Nikhil Alexander-Walker with Rudy Gobert to Toronto. Give me OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. as a starting place, and let's make a deal. But I think that Utah Jazz have to have some tolerance to take some garbage back. You know, and that's well, I thing. just don't think you have a choice there. Yeah, I mean, you're you're gonna have to take back players you don't wanna, you don't want on your roster, and, and that's and this is what I mean. This is kind of the art of this of this process. Is like, okay, you got to get your value, but what else are you gonna have to take on to get the deal done? And that and the and hopefully the the garbage you take on are are guys that you can move on some level. I'm not saying that you're gonna move them for some gold mine or something, but you just don't want to have when camp gets here you don't want to have that one guy in your roster that you already hate before you well even, yeah and this is why i think the other part of the story that we haven't talked about yet is that boyan bogdanovich has a lot of value boyan bogdanovich is a guy that they should be able to get return on yeah um and teams are interested in boyan and so i think you know it's interesting one of the names we've heard for boyan bogdanovich is the miami heat and you know all of this ridiculousness over donovan and and um, Jimmy Butler in this photo with Chris Brickley. Well, they went to a birthday party, so that naturally means that he's getting traded it's, and he asked out of Utah. It, it's just so ridiculous. And I, I think I I could see Miami making a, a Boyan Bogdanovich trade. I could. I mean, he is a guy that does one thing very well, and that is shoot the three. He is a, a lovely three-point shooter, unless the game's on the line or your season's on the line. But yeah. that's not really the point. The point is that Boyan Bogdanovich has value around the league. So I think those two guys are the most likely guys to be done. I, I don't think there's any doubt that Rudy Gobert is traded. I, I You just don't – I've been doing this a long time, man, and you don't hear this kind of traffic on a guy and he not get traded. Yeah. I mean, it's just – Well, it's, it's like saying John Collins isn't going to get moved. We all know yeah. he's going to get moved. The problem is what do you, what what value do you, do you get in return? Because yes. – Again, Clint Capella and, and Nikola Vucevic are, are no's to me. I understand why you would have to take them in return, but I, I will simply say if I'm not getting an Io DeSumo from Chicago, if I'm not getting um, you know, a DeAndre Hunter and other pieces, I, I'm not that interested in those deals. I'm not yeah. doing those deals for Vucevic or Capella. I'm doing those deals for wing talent. Which is again what leads me back to Toronto, not to be redundant. Toronto. Um, Jesus destroys atheism. Says I can understand what Jake is saying, but I have a feeling that Danny Ainge will be able to make that magic with Atlanta if they offer better players, especially defensively. But they don't. Yeah, yeah. they I don't. Mean. Like, how does Atlanta? How does Atlanta compete even on a baseline level? Clint Capella and DeAndre Hunter as a starting point. Yeah. Gary Trent, no Giannobi as a starting point. That's not even an argument. That's you're bringing a knife to a gunfight, bro. Like that is. But this is my point. This is what concerns me about the process of trading Rudy Gobert for the Utah Jazz. Like you, you don't, you're not in a position to dictate to these teams. That's the problem. You're not like any any good negotiator. Anybody who's good at, at working deals understands that that leverage is king. And and I think that. 
the Jazz are leveraged. There's no doubt about that. And and so, you know, I agree. Like, yeah, I think they can get some nice wing defensive wing talent out of this summer, no doubt about it. But I'm telling you, the, the conversation we're going to have when they trade Rudy Gobert is how much garbage they had to take on to get the deal done and what value they were able to get out of it. Those two things are going to decide if Danny Ainge did a good job or a bad job, you know, and, and I think that I agree with, with whatever dude's name was, um, you know, yeah, I think that Danny Ainge has the ability to make things happen. And that's why you brought him in. Cause he does have relationships. He does, I'm sure have some strings he can pull and, you know, some make goods over the years that you end up racking up as you're leading a team and, you know, you're in the front office. So hopefully, he can make something happen, but I'm just telling you guys that it's not as simple as calling up the Hawks and saying, hey, we want John Collins and, and DeAndre Hunter, and we're going to give you Rudy. That's just not how this process works. That's, it's just never going to be that simple. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing that's so interesting is is that you talk about leverage, and, and I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, we are in a business in the NBA where value is is less tangible and more perceived. Yes. And it is what you believe you can do because we talk about this all the time that there are teams that believe that they can, you know, they can take your trash and make it their treasure. Like, okay, great. Well, go ahead and take a shot at that, but I want OG Ananobi and Gary Trent in return. Yeah. I feel like Toronto's the best fit. And and you know what? I, I actually don't think Jeremy Grant's that great of a haul. Uh one of the teams that we've heard a lot about is Detroit wanting to trade Jeremy Grant and I don't think that's a great fit. I, I don't yeah. think that there's a deal to be made um, with, you know, another active team we've heard a lot about is Indiana. I don't think there's a deal to be made with Indiana. You know, like I, I think that the deal that you want to make is young wing defenders. You don't need ball handling guards. Yeah. That's not what you need. Yeah. What you need is athletic two, three, fours who can defend combo guys you need those yeah because we're in a in a place in this league where you're not anchored to one position anymore there's no, the like the one two three four five label on a guy is is no more Press. i mean you you're playing hybrid positions here so yeah. i just think it's it, it, it's one of those things that's going to change scott howard says no vucevic mr e says does a package with indiana involving malcolm brogdon make sense i think he'd be a great fit with donovan i Look, Malcolm Brogdon would be a great player, but what is if if you look at if you look at his real value, right? If you if you look at Malcolm Brogdon, what is it that that excites you about him? It, it's his offense less than his defense. Yeah, and I think Brogdon is a guy that unfortunately is not an alpha. He's somebody who is a. I mean, he's good enough to start in the league, obviously, and he's good enough to be yeah. you know a role player within your starting five. But I just uh, again, I can't. I just keep coming back to this point about this about the Rudy Gobert situation for the Jazz. Y you have to get defense. Malcolm Brogdon can definitely play defense, but he, I also know that he's got on a big money deal. He got that extension. I twenty one million. But so, he also doesn't play a lot of games. That's the other thing that I was looking at. Like when I look at his career games played numbers, like yeah, he, I mean he's a guy that plays 40, 50 games a year. Yeah, it's a problem. He's, he's missing thirty it's games Mike a year. Another Mike Conley situation. Yeah, you can't, why would you? Why would you do that? Y'all feel me? He's averaging less than a steal a game. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and he's a guy that gives you fifteen points and five five assists. I just don't think you're going to do better than Ananobi and Trent. If I'm being honest with you, 
as far as value for Rudy. I, you're not going to do much better than that unless, unless you're able to work a deal that nobody's talking about right now for a guy that you know nobody's talking about right now. You know, like a deal that hasn't been out there. And if Danny is able to put something together that's just outside of the box and off the radar, okay, that's one thing. But in any of these scenarios, I agree with you. I still think for the Jazz, Toronto brings back the best value. But again, I have to say, I think Chicago would be the most exciting trade suitor as far as what they think of Rudy Gobert and how much value they put on Rudy Gobert. So that's the the conundrum. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it is... It is a conundrum. Conundrum's the right word. Uh, Big Dog O-Town, what's up with you? He says there could be a possibility they keep Rudy if teams play hardball. I I don't think nah. so. I think they, re- they, they don't – it's not even a player profile problem. It's a money problem. Yeah. They have to find a way to get under the, the – the luxury tax and as far as away uh, as far away from the the apron and the luxury tax as possible. You cannot be a repeat offender in this league. It just goes up. I mean, you're I think it's two dollars and fifty cents per for every dollar. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible money we're talking about. You've got to get under that threshold. Have to. Um, he says um, maybe a, a new coach can get Mitchell and Gobert to coexist. Quote no. unquote. Sorry if you're offended by that. Yeah, no, nah, dude, I, I I can't do that. Sorry if you're offended by that. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it, bro. I mean, I just don't think that – I have to agree with you. I, you know, when you have this much talk about trading a guy, you're going to trade him. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, And I also think that, you know, again, the one thing you also got to consider here that doesn't get talked about enough is Donovan Mitchell's future with the club. I'm telling you, he won't be here inside of three seasons if you mess this up. He will be gone. And you got to get this right. And I think you're season to season at this point. I mean, yeah. you're not you, – you put yourself in a position, and this is what we said last year when they re-signed Mike Conley. Yep. You close the door on looking at three and five years. We did what we did. Yeah, and you, you close the door on winning three championships in five years. So, right now, you're you're swinging a wrecking ball right yeah. now. That's what you're doing. You're, you got to take this roster apart – dutifully i mean you gotta you gotta have some some you know strategic thinking in that Mm -hmm. but you have to rebuild this thing in a way that allows you to compete at a higher level than you've competed in the last five years yeah here's the game yeah i mean knock that thing down I, i and again it's not even what rudy does or doesn't do on the floor he's making 41 million dollars a year on average I'm not paying a center for that. Yeah. I'm not paying an anchored center, a guy that's anchored to the rim, to the paint. Yeah. I'm not paying him that. So you've got to unwind that watch, and there's going to take, there's going to be a beating you're going to take. Yeah. On that, to a to a certain extent. Spencer D says, "Bring back Joe Ingles. My baby has a Joe Ingles onesie." Well, why didn't you say so? Wow. Man. Wow. Now we know. That, oh, now it's a priority. Yeah. Just don't hope hopefully the diaper don't leak on that ones, you know. Uh, anyway, Dante May says, I hope we can uh, keep Rudy and Don for at least next year. I don't I don't think I so. I just don't think that's going to happen. Why man. Why do you want to keep those two yeah, together? Yeah, what's the logic? That's been the foundation of disappointment. The foundation of failure, you know, dude. You know, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, hey, guys, sadly, uh, for the Jazz, backers can't be choosers. And uh, hey, guys, you know, hey, guys. Uh, he also says you're going to see Joel Embiid a lot. Yeah, but there's one problem. Joel usually schools Rudy. He does. Yeah. He does. 
Uh, Rudy should invest in his offensive skills like Don does, and Don hopefully is working on his defense, which is 90% mentality, Big Dog says. I don't disagree with that. Tanner says, Warriors are winning this on Thursday. The New Jersey better be good if they're being so secretive about it. You better. Dante May, good morning to you. Odds that Conley starts the season with Utah. I actually think better than most people do because yeah. – I mean, I, I think Mike has value in that he is a prolific three-point shooter still. Um, think, it's just a I matter of – remains to be seen, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, if we look at his numbers – I'm I, sure the stat – look, I, and, and yeah, pull him up, but I'm sure the stats say he's still a good three-point shooter. But see, but this is the problem with stats. Rudy Gobert's career points per game is 12 points a game. We all know he can give you 17 to 20 points a game right now. We all know that. So my point is, is yeah – Sure, Mike is probably what a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter for 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 his career. What what what's it yeah? Look like? Well, he he shot forty percent uh, the last two years with the Jazz. Mm-hmm. And what are the attempts? Um, let's see, six point six two years ago, and this past year five point eight. So down one attempt this season. Yeah, and then I think I don't know. I just think that the, it doesn't. Mike Conley didn't pass the eye test for me this past season. There well, but it, it, but again, this I think goes back to the the issue of what are you asking him to do? I mean, if you're asking him to be an on the ball point guard that plays forty minutes a night, okay, well, no. If you're asking him, if Mike Conley's a guy that you you have on the roster, he's a twenty minute a night guy. I mean, he played seventy two games this year, playing twenty eight minutes. If you can get him, if you can shave five minutes off of that, hopefully his his two point field goal percentage goes up. Yeah, he's got to have that. That's, um, that's I an mean, issue. He, you would hope. I mean, he's only shooting forty six percent. Yeah, uh, from two. That's which an is, issue. Yeah, which is not great. Yeah. Um, you know, his effective field goal percentage is five forty two. You know, like you you would like to see him get his get his assist numbers back up in the six area. Like I, you just. If, if you're going to keep him, I would trade him. I The three guys I would trade, absolutely, uh, are Rudy Gobert, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Mike Conley. Yeah. And I would do everything I can do to move Royce O'Neal. Yeah. And I would upgrade those positions. I mean, Royce O'Neal is not a starter in the NBA. Sorry to tell you that. But it's Buckets O'Neal. Come but on. But if he's starting on your team, you're not winning a championship. I mean, it is, it's very difficult to, to come to terms with that. And, you know, anyway. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, Ryan Buckley, 85% of NBA players smoke weed. Is that it? Just 85%, you think? <laughs> uh, James Knight says, it's possible nothing gets done and Rudy stays. I mean, well, sure. You know, it's possible I wake up tomorrow and I crapped off 55 pounds, but yeah, that's not likely. It's possible that, that you know, four days from now we'll have a case of Forex gold from you, but that's not going to happen. No, it's possible, that. though. It's possible, though. It's not likely. Yeah, you know. It's not so, likely. You know. I want it. Yeah. Um, Dante says, I hope we keep Rudy and Don for at least next year. I would make Don, Jared, Gobert, Eric, and JC unavailable. That's crazy. Yeah, Jared. I, well, I'm just not. I'm not doing that. Jared Butler? Yeah. What have you seen from Jared Butler that makes him be untouchable? I have seen nothing. absolutely positively nothing that makes that me said, think Jared Butler is a top eight player in this league. Yeah, that said, though, like what are you he, talking about? He, he needs development. Right, but let's not put an untouchable tag yeah. on. There's nobody on this roster that's untouchable outside of Donovan Mitchell. Nobody. Yeah. And that's exactly how it should be. I don't know, with all due respect, Dante, I don't know what you see in Jordan Clarkson or Eric Paschal. You're married to Eric Paschal. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm good. What? So 
my question is, what are you trying to accomplish? Because you know who you are. You've been the same club for five years. You know who you are. Specifically, you've been the same club for the last three years, essentially. You know who this group is. Why would you... Un, the word untouchable is a, is a, hits a nerve with me. I just... I, I don't... Yeah, no, I'm good. Uh, bogey for Hero and Duncan. Why on earth would the Jazz make that trade? Now, what do you want with Duncan Robinson? Again, I, I would just ask you before you throw out stuff like this... <laughs> What do you what does Duncan Robinson do that you don't have? He's he's a, a wonderful three-point shooter. He does nothing else effectively. Yeah. Bogdanovich is better than Duncan Robinson. I'm not even kidding. Duncan Robinson is an awful defender. Like he is such a good three-point shooter, one of the best in the NBA. They couldn't get him on the floor in Miami because he could not compete defensively. Yep. Could not compete. That means he wanted to. He could not compete defensively. Not a good rebounder. Not a good on-ball defender. Doesn't move well off the ball. And by the way, what are we starting to figure out about Tyler Hero? Tyler Hero, one, has got to build his body. Two, how do I say this respectfully? He He's not acing any tests anytime soon. Like, this is not the, the sharpest tool in the shed. That kid can play ball, and he's he's very talented and athletic. He is not gifted in the brain. He does not appear. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. He, You're not that guy. He does not appear to take feedback well, and he does not appear to be the smartest basketball player in the world. And he doesn't appear to understand who he is and how people view him because he wants to be a starter, and he's not there I, yet. Why? The, I if I'm the if I'm the Miami Heat, I do that deal as soon as I can possibly do it. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is why I respect right Pat now. Riley. This is why I respect the hell out of Pat Riley because he had no problem saying, "Kyle Lowry, you're fat. You need to get in shape." And 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 Tyler Hero, you want to be a starter? Come to camp and earn it. Yeah. Like he has no problem with it. Are other teams willing to take on Rudy's contract, knowing his limited offensive skill? Big Dog says, "Yeah, I can tell you right now." From what I was told yesterday, the Bulls and the Atlanta Hawks are all about it. Yeah. And Toronto seems to be another club that is very interested. His contract, the way contracts work in the NBA, it's only a burden if it's on your books. When it's not on your books, you can look at that man, look at the shot blocking. Wow, look yeah. at the rebounding. Man, wow, yeah. the screen setting. And then he gets on your books and you're trying to figure out how to get a bucket in the fourth quarter and you can't throw him the ball. Rough. And you're like, damn, this dude's expensive. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how – I mean, Facts. everybody thinks your girlfriend's hot, but they don't have to deal with all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Anyway. Uh, Tanner says the Hawks and the Raptors – wow, comment dump. Um, the Hawks and the Raptors are apparently willing to take his contract. They are. You just traded four starters. Yeah, I would right now, yes. today. Yes. Go. You either want to win or you want to just keep doing what you're, you're doing. You're not even close to a championship, and I hope people understand that. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, trades, there's always a winner and a loser in trades. There's rarely two winners. Ryan Buckley says, Jazz fans aren't the brightest. Robinson couldn't get off the bench in Miami. Could not get off the bench. He's not good. Yeah. He is not good. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, James, are they not allowed to react to our comments? Come on, man. 
Big Dog says, I really do believe in Butler's upside. Snyder didn't like him in my opinion, but this man is a potential bona fide star. I'm a potential bona fide star. The difference is you don't know what I can do on an NBA floor. This man was a bona fide scrub. I've seen Jared Butler panic in the middle of a game. And the turnovers and the mental, like, he's got a lot of proving to do. If I'm yeah. the Jazz, he's going to Summer League. And if he isn't growing and expanding his game and he is not a better player, I'm sending him to the G League full time until he shows that he's earned a uh, an NBA bit. Like, he's got to show that he can play at the NBA level and not just in little minute flashes. Yeah, I, here's the problem. I, I think... So I, I, I personally, I wouldn't send him to the G League. It's unproductive. It doesn't do anything for for where he is. Like you're either gonna trade him and get him out of your system, or you need to be committed to playing him minutes. Like he needs to play 15 to 20 minutes a night, and he needs to be one of the first guys coming off the bench. And you gotta suffer through. Again, this is what this is the Warriors' model. Hey, Jordan Poole, you're gonna suffer through some bad basketball. JTA, you're going to suffer through some bad basketball. James Wiseman, you're going to suffer through some bad basketball. But then what's going to happen? Jordan Poole saved your ass last night, right? And in other nights. James Wiseman, when he was healthy, was playing really good, and there's yeah. a lot of value. He so, was playing really well. Really well. Sorry, I'm not a freaking English major. Whatever. Clearly. You know? Um, like, you know. James Wiseman, by the way, did anybody see that he's he's just about cleared for full contact? How about that? So everybody who said, oh, he's going to miss another summer. Mm. No, I don't no, think so. Don't no, think so. No. Uh, what'd you think of Chaboy last night? Oh, Steph Curry's the greatest shooter in the history of the NBA. Rick City, He's bro. the best. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Didn't, for the first time in four years, did not make a three last night. What in, the fuck are you talking about? In game five. What are you talking about, bro? Come oh, on. of nine. Come on. Yeah, he struggled. He no sucks. Clay Thompson, you know, carried him. No, Andrew Wiggins carried him. He sucks. Steph Curry, awful. He's a choker. I love that, that motherfucker one last night. Don't on, miss, yeah, man. On Twitter last night, people were like, he chokes, he's choking. Like, shut up, man. Yeah. The guy's going to win the NBA Finals MVP. He's choking. He had one of the greatest performances in the history of Golden State Warrior basketball. Yeah. He, he's entitled to a bad game. Yeah. They, they're going to close in six. I mean, they're going to close in six. But, again, I will just say, Andrew Wiggins carried that team again. I think there's a chance that depending on what happens in game six, Andrew Wiggins wins the NBA Finals MVP, mm. which would nah. really be a kick in the curries nah. uh, for Steph. Steph's winning that, dude. Uh, no, no chance. They don't win that game last night I without think, Wiggins. I agree. I agree. I think I'm only willing to go as far as to say that all the people who were like, oh, how is Andrew Wiggins an all-star? This is ridiculous. All those people look like idiots now because this guy's performing at a pretty high level for for you know what where he's at, and I think that I think that the Finals uh, MVP is out of reach for him. You know, for just, Wiggins, just just on nameplate value. Yeah, I don't think that. You're, oh, you're, you're crazy. You're not giving it to him. You're giving it to Steph Curry. No, you're crazy. Okay, you well, don't you don't play as poorly as Steph played. On a night where Wiggins, who's a great Dude, he story, saved them. Andrew Wiggins isn't a good story. Andrew Wiggins is a great story, and I don't disagree that without Steph Curry, they probably don't win this series. Yeah, but without Andrew Wiggins, they don't win this series. And I think to James Knight's point, Steph Curry shot like Jake last night all over his pillowcase. Well, that might be true, but you know, winners win. 
and Steph Curry's about to win another championship. Jake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the likelihood is Curry wins it, depending on what happens in game six. <clears throat> Wiggins has a chance. James Knight with the dagger, Gabe Ledley says truth. Uh, Tanner says he didn't hit a three last night. Dude, Steph needs to be traded ASAP. It's the fucking Vernal Equinox. Yeah, how can they get Jared Butler to replace him? Yeah, dude, I don't, I don't know, man. And Jeremy Bolton keeps going on about Alex Caruso and his Mamba mentality. Yeah. Okay. Mamba mentality, you know? You know. Um, we got to talk about the Sean Watson speaking of Mamba mentality. <sighs> Before you hear from the ridiculous Phil Mickelson press conference yesterday. Yeah. The Sean Watson has two more women suing him for sexual misconduct during massage. Right. Um, that's 26. Like 20, no, 26 different women. Two and a six together, 26. It's internal. 26 women are accusing him of sexual misconduct. Yeah. I mean, this is moving to class action stuff. Yeah, dude. I'm just curious why the NFL has not put him on administrative leave yet. Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I don't really understand it. I, I, I think that we're getting to a point where now we have to sit here and say that the Browns are, are, are you know, Oof. a despicable organization. I no, mean, I, I, I don't. no, the Browns are what I said they were. A team they traded for a quarterback they knew was going to be suspended for this coming season. Yeah, I guess. And the problem is that they screwed up with Baker Mayfield. And Baker's not going to report. And so now they don't have a starting quarterback. And I think this Deshaun Watson situation, he needs to be suspended for the entire season coming up. Yeah, I don't see any way that you're the NFL and you've had all these troubles and all the perceptions that you're a misogynistic anti-woman league. Yeah. And you have a, a starting quarterback who's been accused by 26 different women of sexual misconduct. And you have not said word one. It's ridiculous. You've not taken action. Yeah. It is time to put Deshaun Watson on administrative leave. Yeah. It's time. You, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable to me that they have done nothing. They allowed him to be traded. They have done nothing. They allowed him to sign one of the largest contract extensions in the history of the National Football League. All while, now we're up to 26 women accusing Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct. Yeah. I, I, it's I, an issue. I don't know how the NFL hasn't acted. Yeah, and, but it's classic I don't get NFL. It. The NFL just wants to wait for all the information to come out, and then we want to make an assessment. And it's like, dude, get ahead of this thing. You know, like like as much as I mm. just despise Rob Manfred of Major League Baseball, there are times where I'm like, yeah, they got ahead of it, and, and this is how – this is kind of how you have to handle these type of things. Mm. So I think Deshaun is – listen, Deshaun was one of my favorite quarterbacks before all this happened. I really liked what he brought to the game. I loved his press conferences and the way he handled it. Like like he was, I, I feel like, a sweetheart of, of, of the NFL. But now we know who you really are, and now you're you're just a blight on the, the, the face of the league. Like I, there's no other way to say it. So – when does the guy take his next, you know, snap in a live game? I don't know, but I have to agree with you. As as more of these cases come out, I just think it's completely inappropriate for him to play this year. I yeah, I, I, I think there's no other way around it. Yeah, I don't know what you do about that. And then there is uh, our guy, the Mick. Good old Phil. The Mick. 
What a shitbag this guy is. Uh, Phil Mickelson, who you know is the face of the Live Golf Tour. Live. Live. Unless you're Jamal Khashoggi and then you're dead. Excuse me, it's Josh. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I am amazed at the fact that Phil Mickelson just keeps talking. Yeah. Why? He is playing at the U.S. Open this week. And the U.S. Open essentially said that, hey, we we are going to allow the live tour guys to play because we didn't have enough time to set policy. Um, so they are allowed to play in this U.S. Open. And Phil Mickelson, you know, I believe it's six times has finished up a runner-up, has finished second in the U.S. Open. Yeah, It is the only major he has not won. This is a gift to Phil Mickelson. Yeah. And Phil Mickelson is a gift to the show because this stupid Savach just keeps saying stuff like this. I think that there's a uh, certain, there's an obvious, um, incredible financial commitment. But more than that, uh, for, for all the players involved and everyone involved, but more than that, there are other factors that um, with... Um, wait, wait, wait. No, there's not, Phil. No, there's not. The question was, what is it about Live Golf Tour that is appealing to you? It, you know, like, hey, hey, Phil, I know they chop people's heads off and shit, but what yeah. is appealing about Live Golf to you? Yeah. Involved and everyone involved, but more than that... There are other factors that, with um, fewer uh, tournaments, you know, um, it allows me to have more balance in my life. It yeah, allows me to uh, do things that are off the golf course I've always wanted to do. You know, like, like gambling. people's heads off. And um, uh, I find that uh, uh, as I uh, prioritize uh, money, those are um, those that are important to me. Uh, the people that are important to me going forward. My just allows me to have more time with them, be more present, uh, they can and break uh, my to share more life experiences. Like uh, Jamal did outside of golf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listen to the first part of this answer. Dude. In all seriousness, dude, listen to the first bro. part. Hey, Phil. Uh, Phil. 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 Hey guys. Uh, it's Tanner Plummer over here. Got a question for you, shitbag. Um, <laughs> just curious. What is it about the Live Golf Tour that you like so much, sir? I think that there's a uh, certain, there's an obvious, uh, um, incredible financial <laughs> commitment. There's an but obvious, that, incredible financial commitment. They paid you, you sellout. That's but more than that, uh, for, for all the players uh, involved and everyone involved, but yeah, more than that. Yeah. How many times are we going to say, but more than that? Listen to this. Listen to this. But more than that, um, uh, for, for all the players. Uh, involved and everyone involved but more than that more than that there are other factors that with um, um fewer uh, tournaments you know um, it allows me to have more balance in my life yeah, it allows more, me to do things that betting. are off the golf course i've always like wanted losing to do money anyway wow this guy is a pos and I mean, uh, um Phil Mickelson's a POS. Like, this is ridiculous. At least I'll, Man, I'll give him what, what little credit he deserves for saying, well, there's a tremendous financial component to this. Um, and, yeah, uh, they cut off Khashoggi's head, but I got paid. So, and, uh, you know, uh, um, and more than that, uh, they cut dude. his arms off, Phil. Dude, come on. They cut his legs off, Phil. More than cutting his head off, they cut his but arms off. more than that. They cut his legs off, too. You realize they cut his body up and carried it out in a duffel bag. But more than that. Um, so, hey, congratulations on your payday. 
and uh you sell out like phil mickelson this guy just pisses me off the the amount of lying that's going on with phil is incredible like like why don't you just say like you almost got it right you said well there's an obvious financial Um, gain here uh, but then you know you forgot to say and i really need the money because i've gambled away most of my fortune you know how about you just be honest about it and say this is why i did it you know sorry to you know jamal not josh khashoggi's family I just, I don't know, man. Casey Green, good morning, says, uh, how about a game per woman? So he's done for for this year and the next and nine of next. Deshaun Watson, 26 women are suing him. Dude, it's gnarly. That would be amazing. Uh, James Knight says, let's get Tanner his media credential. Hey, uh, hey, Donovan, Spider, Spider, uh, just curious. Um, do you like me? Um, can we be friends? Um, um, <laughs> I don't know. I love you, Tanner. Tanner and I are friends. Right. You know. But more than that. No, there is no. No, there is no more than that. Don't start with that drop. But more than that. <laughs> but more than that. <laughs> All right. Um, crypto or sushi on ranch? Ranch uh, on sushi. Um, crypto. Yeah. So, I don't know how many people have been following crypto this week, but it has been a disaster. Right. Um, there is a lot of issues around crypto. Um, two of the largest banks, essentially two of the largest uh, people that handle uh, money and transfers, deposits and withdrawals for crypto accounts. Yeah. Stopped giving their clients access to their money. Yes. This is a code 10 abort. Not only that, Coinbase laid off 18% of its workforce. Dude. And they are predicting crypto winter. Coinbase will cut 18% of its full-time jobs. CEO Brian Armstrong pointed to the possible recession and a need to manage costs and growing too quickly. Crypto's in trouble. And I, I, I don't know how you fix this. I don't know... If you have assets in crypto and you can get them out, I don't know why you wouldn't get them out. I don't know what you're waiting for. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin is off 4% again this morning. Yeah. Um, it fell 8% over the last 24 hours. It's all the way down to 22,800. Well, and this is the classic scenario of, of the consumer of, of this product losing belief in the product and that's why it's going the wrong direction and, th- and that's the real problem here is that you have companies like coinbase who are who are holding your funds now you're you're essentially in you know for lack of a better terminology like crypto prison like yeah. you don't have access to your to your funds they're not paying out for the for the investment and and that's why i say this whole situation is just jacked man like i don't know what you what you do about it it's rough yeah and in the uh, crypto firm celsius uh and beyonce b-i-n-a-n-c-e are the ones that stopped withdrawals they blocked users from withdrawing funds as the value of bitcoin and other prominent digital assets plunged crypto lending company celsius network announced late sunday night that it would freeze all withdrawals and transfers due to extreme market conditions mm-hmm. the move sparked an enormous sell-off with prices of bitcoin falling 12 percent to its lowest levels 
since December of 2020. Yeah. I, I You've seen this coming. If you've listened to this show, again, we know everything and we never get anything wrong. Right. You know. Um, but we've told you that this was coming. This is, if you are surprised by this or shocked by this, if you are surprised by what's going on in the stock market, if you were surprised by what's going on in real estate, I just don't think you've been paying attention. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know what you do with crypto right now. And Nothing. I think you got to stay away from it. And if you have assets that you're able to liquidate, I would liquidate. I would, because they're only going to keep going down. And if you're savvy enough and you got the bulls. Yeah. Liquidate and buy back in at a lower price. Lick your wounds and you know sit. I mean, again. if you're in the market right now, you 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 have to be patient. And what you really should be doing, if you're a serious market market person, if you're a stock a day trader, you got to hoard your money, and you got to ride this wave down the falls. Yep. And you got to buy low on a bunch Wait of stuff the bottom. because the stock mar market has historically rebounded quite robustly. And we'll see what happens. I I mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I, it, it's it's not real money. And this is the thing that people didn't understand when they went into crypto. Mm -hmm. And for all the people who've been buying in on the, on the back end here is that it's an investment. It's the same as buying a, a stock and hoping that that's going to mature and then hoping that you can trade it in at some point for a monetary value. Yeah. The only difference was that people were allowing you to buy things with your crypto because they were willing to take your stock and yeah. trade you a good, right? Yeah. Now, that's not happening. And now, the companies who were... You look at a, a Coinbase, I'm sure that they... So, they charge a fee. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have they been converting that into a fiat currency like the dollar? So, then they have money to actually operate. I'm sure they have to pay their employees. I don't know if they pay them by, by crypto it's or optional. not. It's optional. Oh my God. Can you imagine if you're an employee there and you were getting paid in crypto and well, now not only are your, 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 your pay is now being reduced and you can't change it out. Like. I'm look at, look at Elon Musk. You need to look no further than mm -hmm. Elon Musk. And we've been talking about this Twitter thing for months now. It feels like yep. Elon Musk doesn't want to buy Twitter. And Twitter, and the latest is that Elon Musk said, I'm not buying Twitter until they turn over their user roles so that we can properly audit their user roles and see how many users on the Twitter platform are bots. Yeah. Well, what do you know? Twitter acquiesced only after the, the crypto crash last week continued because I think they know that Elon Musk is in a, a world of hurt. He is leveraged over Bitcoin. Because he is, he remember Tesla has started taking Bitcoin as, as payment for cars. Yeah. And he converted a significant amount of Tesla assets into Bitcoin. And that is, he is paying a significant price for that. Yeah. And everybody thought that he was a crypto bull that could keep the market afloat. Well, guess what? He can't. And when you're that leveraged into crypto right now, You've already sold a significant block of Tesla stock just to get involved in a Twitter acquisition. Yeah. Like crypto is crippling people. And I don't see a way out of it because Mrs. Monty's to Mrs. Monty's point, it's not real money. It's not it. Everybody loves the picture of the bit physical Bitcoin. Those aren't real. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how to make you understand Marketing. that. 
When when you get into the worst of times, give me a gold block over a dollar bill. If you're in the worst of times in crypto, what's the gold block? What's the tangible piece of value? And the answer is there's not one. Yeah. And you have no idea why it's going up or why it's going down or what inflates or what deflates or what truly drives the value of crypto is still one of the greatest mysteries of the universe. And right now, I just I don't, I don't see a way back for most crypto investors. I really don't. I can tell you what drives the value of crypto. Hype. Mm-hmm. That is all that drives the value of crypto. If people are excited, that's why this year, especially in the last six months, you've seen advertising for crypto go up so much. They are desperate yeah. for people to buy in. Well, yeah. It's like they're doubling down on it. You yes. Know? Yeah. Because yes. they need yes. people to yeah. buy in or yeah. it's going to fall. Yeah. And it is such a risky investment. It is not money. It is an investment. And it's there not is nothing, real. There's nothing like. So when you think about um, I, I have stock in. Let's just use Tesla. I have stock in Tesla because Tesla is making a physical product that is going out to people. And as long as that physical product performs well, People will still want to buy it. And then my stock goes up, right? As soon as Tesla's no longer Mm. interesting or there's too much competition somewhere else, the stock's going to go down. And I have to get out of that investment. The the problem is, is that crypto doesn't make anything. Yeah. All it is, is is a, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's almost like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. The more people that I can get to buy into it, the more my, my shares go up. Yep. And the more people are going to mine and then make money off of the mining. Now, I'll tell you, all those people mining definitely want you to buy crypto. Yeah. But uh, how horrible. Like, just going back to this Coinbase thing, I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the fine print, if these people (laughs) were as smart as uh, as they should be in making a company based off crypto, that in that fine print, it said that as soon as we are unable to maintain... We, we will disallow your access to your account. There's yeah. got to be something in the small print totally. that said, hey, this is all a gamble and we're gambling too. And Well, I mean, again, just look at Elon Musk and Tesla. $1.26 billion of, of crypto holdings in the first quarter. bro, And their stock is under $640. And I don't know, I, I didn't look at a, at a quote today, but it's it continues to fall. And I, I I'm just telling you, Stop listening to hype. Like, again, you want to you want to know hype? Look at these January sixth hearings. You want to know hype? Like, you hear about this testimony from not everybody was on the Bill Barr train over the weekend. It wasn't just Bill Barr. Like Ivanka Trump, who is by all accounts one of the most trusted advisors to her father. Yeah, he is ripping Ivanka Trump now, saying she had checked out. How checked out could she be if she was in the the Oval Office on Mar- on January sixth? How about that? Like you, we can continue to spin this stuff, but when you listen to hype, bad things happen. Yeah. When you make value decisions off of hype, bad things happen, and we're in a place in this society now where, if you are going to continue to refuse to do work but make decisions on other people's, you know, other people's opinions and work, yeah, you're going to fail. Yeah. And you look at these January 6th hearings, there's real damage being done today, right now, based on these hearings. Yeah. And sadly, they're very necessary. And we can sit here and we can call them political theater. They're not political theater. 
we are starting to understand that the stuff that went down in the Oval Office on January 6th was damaging beyond our own comprehension. We still don't understand the damage that was done by the actions that were allowed to take place on January 6th. And this continued... The, the thing that came out of yesterday that I guess I shouldn't be surprised about, Rudy Giuliani was drunk in the Oval Office advising the president on January 6th. Jared Kushner, who is by all accounts a Saudi stooge. Right. Jake, he, Right, he's a Saudi, Saudi stooge. Thank you. Right. Um, Jared Kushner, who by all accounts is leveraged to the nines, is telling Donald Trump on January 6th by Jared Kushner's own testimony corroborated by others in the room, Jared Kushner is telling Donald Trump, I don't like this. I don't trust Rudy Giuliani. This is not how I would do it if I were in office, if I were in your place. He testified under oath. Jared Kushner did. Yeah. I told the president, if I were in your place, I would not listen to Rudy Giuliani. You want to know how bad it is? You want to know the level of shit baggery that was going on that day? Mm -hmm. Jason Miller, one of the worst non-child support paying jerk-offs that ever worked in the White House that everybody roundly hates was telling the president, don't do this. You got to get these people to stop. Don't listen to Rudy Giuliani. And now we find out, and Rudy Giuliani admitted he had drinks. Rudy Giuliani was drunk in the White House the afternoon of January 6th. An inebriated Giuliani was your choice for advisor. And, and uh, what did Donald Trump say about Rudy Giuliani that day? I trust him. He is a trusted advisor to me. I'm going to take his advice. Everybody else, by everybody else's sworn testimony, from Ivanka Trump to Jason Miller to his campaign advisor, Bill Barr, all of these people all said they went against Donald Trump in the Oval Office that day, and Donald Trump sided with a drunk Rudy Giuliani. Seems legit. Legit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And we all believe that, oh, the stolen election, the stolen election, all of his advisors that day. Oh, man. It's not, there's no evidence. Like, Rudy Giuliani was drunk telling Donald Trump, declare victory, declare victory, declare victory. When ballots hadn't even been finished counted. Yeah. There were still tens of millions of votes to be counted. Declare victory. Declare victory. And what did Donald Trump do? He declared victory. And he said, the only way we're going to lose this race is if it's stolen or there's fraud, which he had been saying the entire election cycle. Yeah. And by the way, he was going to lose. one other thing, one other thing on this. What happened to Donald Trump hiring all these great elite, the best of the best? Mm -hmm. What happened to that? You, you have fired so many people, Bill Barr being the latest. You said Bill Barr was the, the, the before Jeff Sessions and after Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr. And you said Bill Barr was the greatest this and attorney general that. And right. now he's a liar and a coward. And what happened to Mike Pence? Hang Mike Pence. Yep. What happened now to Ivanka? What happened to, to Jared Kushner? What happened to all of your guys? You hire the very best, yet you fired them all, and you tell us now that they're all just terrible people who are stupid and unintelligent. Right. But that's his MO. That goes back Man. to his TV show. Yeah. That goes back to his TV show. He has to have the drama, and as soon as you're not feeding into his machine, he's going to fire you.
Yeah. I'm going to fire you. You're obviously an idiot now. I mean, Man. you were smart then. You're an idiot now. But I want to go back to one point on crypto real quick. Mm-hmm. Crypto works the same way that gambling works in Vegas. Mm-hmm. The hype tells you you could become a millionaire if you just put your money in. Put your money in the machine and you might get money out. More money than you put in. And the problem is, is that's turning out to not be true. But the yeah. hype, the hype convinces you that if you just bet, you know, a hundred more dollars, if you just put in this much more money, that it's going to pay off. Hype, hype is a liar. <laughs> right. <laughs> hype is a liar. Jeremy Bolton says, did anyone actually think crypto was going to be sustainable when it first started catching fire? Everybody did. Yeah. Everybody did. Elon Musk owns $1.26 billion in crypto through through Tesla. What happens when he sells that? <laughs> Nothing good. What yeah, happens I, when he sells that and it good. just tanks I don't know the that crypto he's, market? I don't, much, I don't know that he's going to be able to sell it because your com- if you who's own- Who's the payout? Yeah, yeah pay I mean, you your, company it, is, your company is, you're in trouble. Tesla's in trouble. I'm telling you. And I, you know what? And I don't, Mrs. Monty will likely back me up on this. We had a conversation about Tesla with our money guy because our money guy loves him some Tesla. And I have, I have just said repeatedly over and over again, I want out of Tesla. I want out of Tesla. I think he's too volatile. And look at what Tesla is doing now. Tesla is laying off significant staff. And how are they doing it? They're not like sending out pink slips. Tesla said, well, you got to come back to the office or you can't work here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, great. And That's their executives awesome. are heading to other companies. Pack your shit. Let's go. Yeah. We got to roll. Anyway. Okay. Always good to uh, always good to be here with you fine folks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting conversation that will continue, I'm sure. Um, tomorrow on the show, obviously, we will uh, get you ready for uh, game six. I'm sure we'll have some other crazy rumor on the jazz and some trade or whatever. Yeah. By the way, our stream crashed on YouTube. Good, good. While we're talking about crypto and Donald Trump and Elon Musk. I'm sure it was the Russians. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.